0: you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We'll hit a couple of other scriptures, but they will be on the screen. So you don't have to to do a lot of turning. They'll be up there for you, provided. I am really excited about the stuff that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. As we talk about God of this city, as we talk about what it means to believe and proclaim and and really show that we believe that god is the god of this city that he is the god of of thomasville georgia That we're not just sort of just just hanging out here just kind of biding time that we believe that god is powerful and that god is good do you believe that yeah. i believe it we need to believe it together not just individually but together and together we take that we take that out of here now, I wanna I want to take a minute and uh, we need to stop and we need to give God a, a tremendous shout of praise. Um, you remember over the last year or so we were praying for someone with, with cancer, someone having a child, and held hold on to the child, would not abort the child, which was suggested, and said, No, I'm gonna trust God. And that lady, Kim Owens, and her husband, David Baggett, they're here, they're right here in the the audience this morning, and she had no idea I was going to embarrass her like this, so she won't be coming back, so really make sure you speak to her well today, because you might not see her again, but you just got, the, the scans just said no cancer, is that right? Right, praise God, no cancer on latest scans. Praise God, yes, and you see, uh, you see Bethany is busy this morning as well, uh, holding that, that, that dear child that, uh, that uh, they just, they held on to and trusted God throughout the process, and so um, uh, Bethany and Kim have a, a great story. Uh, they met years ago working in Atlanta, when you see them stand next to each other, uh, you realize why they're re- like best friends, you know? I mean, you know, you know, Bethany is really tall, and Kim is not. So you just, I mean, you just see it. But uh, we're honored that they are here, uh, they're here with us. So anyway, now that I've completely embarrassed them and apologize, and, but, you know, that's what you get with Cornerstone. <sighs> yeah, amen. <laughs> We just wrapped up four weeks where we looked at ourselves as a church, where we evaluated things. We said, okay, here are some areas where we might be struggling a bit. We looked at areas and said, okay, we need to do better in this. We need to be praying more. We need to have more repentance in our life. We need to be focused more on the Great Commission. And I appreciate Doug bringing that out in our call to worship, that we need to be a Great Commission Church, that we are to be Great Commission Christians within a Great Commission Church. You with me? And so that's what we spent the last four weeks kind of talking about. And as I said last week, that series served to answer the question, so what? As in, so what do we need to know? What do we need? What do we need to, to focus on? And so we did that. And what it is is being Great Commission Christians. And so now we're springboarding from out of the ashes into God of this city where the question is not so what. The question is now what? What do we do? We understand what we are supposed to be. We know what we're supposed to be. So now what do we do about it how do we go forward making sure that what we are are people that are deeply committed to Jesus deeply committed to God and the Holy Spirit deeply committed to one another but more than that deeply committed to sharing the good news of Jesus with the people that we come in contact with and so that's what we're that's what we're focusing on and that's why I love That's why I love the song, God of this city. Now, I told you several weeks ago that it was, I don't know, five or six years ago, I was riding around, and it's the first time I'd ever heard that song playing, and as as I was riding through Thomasville, I'm thinking about the lyrics, and, you know, it's just you start to think about things differently. You start to see things differently when you get in the, okay, this is God's city he does have an outpost of his kingdom here and as you begin to see people you realize okay there's something more that god is calling me to okay god's not just going to zap a city and make everybody christians okay god is going to use his people in his city to do the things of god does that make sense and so that's what we're that's what we are that's what we're talking about And so all around us, there is brokenness. We don't have to look very far. We don't have to go very far to see that there's brokenness. We have brokenness happening in this room, do we not? We have people here that have experienced brokenness. We have people here this morning that are experiencing brokenness. And there are people in Thomasville that are dealing with that. They're dealing with with hopelessness. There are people that know what it's like to have extreme loneliness. To feel like they don't have someone. To feel like no one cares for them, like no one loves them. There are people around us that understand oppression that understand injustice. And they've been on the wrong ends of those things. You see, when we take time to stop and to look around our city, we see that there are people that are, that are hungry. There are people that are, are tired. There are people that wrestle with addictions every single day. Addictions, some that are, are chemical, but there are other addictions as well. And Satan uses these things to trap people, to to lock them up, to oppress and and, and hold them. And we pass by these people all the time. We see broken homes and and, and broken lives. But if we'll take the time to look and, and really look with our hearts, I think what we'll see is we will see that there are people out there that we come in contact with, that we pass just in our day-to-day lives that we pass in the grocery store or that we see in restaurants. People that we work with, people that we go to school with, people that live next to us, people that even live with us. There are people around us, and there are people in here today that desperately, desperately need the touch of Jesus Christ. So then the question is, Now what? We acknowledge those things, so now what do we do about it? What do we do with it? How do we carry out the Great Commission in our city? And so for the next several weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about how to do that. And I think where we begin is we look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Can't go long. Can't go wrong. Looking at Jesus, right? And so we're going to look at the different encounters that he had with people. We're going to look at the the communities that he encountered, the lives that he changed, and we're going to see how he interacted with those people. And then we are going to see where we can take those same things that Jesus did, and try to take. And minister some of those things out into our community we're gonna make city connections does that make sense and so as we move through this you know I like to give a one-point message at the end of these messages you're gonna see something called the city connection and that is it that's the point of application that's where we go from here to there and we connect what we're talking about what we're doing what we're praying about what God is laying on our hearts and we take that and we make connections to it within our city and I'll talk about a couple of those in in just a few moments but ones that have just sort of blossomed right before our eyes but I think the place to look is Jesus begin with Jesus first Now, I believe that God is the God of this city. Do you believe that? Yes. Yes. God is the God of this city. Now, you start reading the Gospels, and they start telling us about Jesus. They start telling us about who He is. And we've all seen these verses, but you look very quickly at John chapter 1. And John 1, 1 says what? In the beginning was the Word. When you see word capitalized like that, what's it talking about? Jesus, yes. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with, and the word was God. So Jesus was God. Jesus is God, right? We in agreement there? Now then, that's verse 1. You drop all the way down to verse 14, and I like the way the message translates it the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. Because that means Jesus is about relationships. Jesus was about living in close proximity with people, coming in contact with people, listening to their stories, taking time to to hear what it was that was burdening them taking time to to view and witness their brokenness and then do something about it to change their lives. And so what we see, that as Jesus, as the Word, as God, came into our neighborhoods, into our cities, I read that right there, and that says to me that, man, yes, God is the God of the city. God the Son, Jesus, came to our earth, came to where we dwell, came in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our suffering, and brought something different. He brought a different way of life. and He offers hope and he offers freedom. And that's exactly what He did. As you get into Luke chapter four, you know you've got that just incredible opening scene where, Jesus has begun, or he's getting ready to begin his public ministry, but before he does that, he's out walking around in the wilderness for 40 days, but he's not out there alone. We know that Satan is out there, and he's working on him. him. He's tempting him. And that's how Satan always shows up, right? Shows up, hits us in our weak moments. Hits us when we got nothing left, nothing left to stand on. And that's what he did with Jesus. And so he began to appeal to to Jesus, began to offer all these things if he would just, just trust in Satan. But he wouldn't do it. He was strong. He trusted in God. And it says you know, that, that Satan departed until a more opportune time. That more opportune time is going to come in the form of Judas during the Passion Week. So now Jesus comes out of the desert and he begins his public ministry. Starting verse 14 of Luke 4. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. This is the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. He comes back to his hometown, to Nazareth, to his home synagogue, his home church. And he goes to the synagogue and he stands up and he gets the scroll of Isaiah. And he opens it up and he begins to read. And he says, this is what is about to happen. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. All of these things are about to take place. And what we see Jesus doing is that he kind of lays out his purpose. He lays out his his reason for being there. And there's five things that you see it right there in verses 18 and 19. One is that he was to bring good news to the poor. Now then, when we hear the word poor, usually, what do we think of? We think of the materially poor, right? And that's true. There are lots of materially poor people in our city, are there not? They're all around us. We see it. But the materially poor, that's not the only way to be poor. You can be spiritually poor. Matter of fact, you can be spiritually bankrupt and be materially wealthy. You know, I, I've, I've known people that way. Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is on me and I am coming to preach the good news to the poor. In other words, he's coming to tell them that there is a better way of life, that it's not just about this world in all of its sorrows, and all the pain, and all the suffering, that there is something better. He came to release captives. Now then, there's all kinds of captives. People that have been locked up physically. And we know people like that. But we also knew people that are locked up spiritually. That they are held captive to something, some... Oppression, some addiction, whatever it might be. Something holds on to them and they just can't let go of it, whether it be something they're dealing with now or maybe it's something that they're dealing with in their past. Jesus came to free people from their captivity. He came to bring sight to the blind. Now that we see there are several places in Scripture where Jesus does this, he encounters people that have no vision whatsoever and he heals them. Sometimes He does it in kind of funny ways with spit and mud. But He heals them and He restores restores their sight. Now then, I don't know that any of us are going to have the ability to do that. You know, as far as I know, I don't have any miracle performing abilities. What about you? If you do, let us know. It'd be good to list that in spiritual gifts. Okay, But, you know, I don't have the ability to do that. I'm assuming you probably don't either. But blindness is not just physical blindness. There are people that are spiritually blind to what is going on around them. Spiritually blind to the attacks of, uh, of Satan. Spiritually blind to the evil that, that surrounds us, that they might be caught in. And Jesus came to give sight to the blind. Number four, he came to free the oppressed. Free those that are oppressed in whatever way it might be. Oppressed by slavery. You know, the the Jews, they expected Jesus to come and and to be their liberator from Rome. That he was going to overthrow the Romans, that he was going to set himself up as king, and that they would be completely free. Free. In fact, a couple of times they tried to force Jesus into that role, but we know that that's not what Jesus was about. He didn't come, he did not come to free the Jews from the oppression of the Romans. But he came to to free the people from spiritual oppression, from from darkness and the evil that comes about that. And and, 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 in spiritual oppression, I think it manifests itself physically in our world we see it today we see oppression happening we see injustice happening around us and it's not just in big cities that we see it baltimore and dallas and places like that we see it in smaller towns it's just not as well known jesus came to bring freedom from that and then finally he came to proclaim the year of of the lord's favor now, you read the Old Testament, and every seven years, every seven years was kind of a, a reset button. Okay, and it was designed to bring economic balance to the system. Okay, and the land was to rest for a year. And property was to go back to its original owners. People had, whatever, gotten themselves in trouble and had to sell away their family land or had made foolish choices and had to get rid of it. And so it would revert back to the original owners. Debts were canceled. Slaves were freed. And then every 50 years is the year of jubilee. When these things take place on this this grand scale. And so when Jesus says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, He is applying this physically and physically spiritually he brought good news to bankrupt sinners he brought healing to the broken-hearted and to the rejected people that that he came in contact with this is what he came to do then you drop all the way down to the, end of the chapter and the people don't want him to leave but verse 43 said he says to them I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God To the other cities also, for this is the purpose, this is the purpose for which I was sent. To do all of these things. Now, if we are followers of Jesus, does that mean we just follow Him? Or is there more to it? I mean, it's one thing to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. But it's another thing entirely to demonstrate that we believe in Jesus. Is it not? Saying something and doing something are two vastly different things. I can say I believe in Jesus all I want, but if my actions don't match my words, then, you know, what good are they? Jesus, later on, he makes this statement in Luke 9. He says, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. If we are the followers of Christ, not just the fans of Christ, but are truly followers, are committed disciples, committed to His mission and doing the things of Jesus, then we are called to take up our cross on a daily basis. Now then, that might mean we lose our life for the sake of the gospel. Probably it won't. But it doesn't mean it's out of the realm of impossibility. But you see, when Luke puts the word daily in there, He brings it sort of out of the crucifixion and he puts it into the context in which we all live. And he says, if you are going to follow me, then every single day you have to take up a cross and come on with me. You have to do the things that I am going to do. Jesus spent his days serving. He spent his days loving people. He spent his days meeting needs and listening to the people. He spent his days doing these things, bringing good news to the poor, proclaiming release to captives, recovering sight to the blind, freeing the oppressed, proclaiming the year and the favor of the Lord. Now then, if we are the followers of Jesus, then guess what we need to be doing? We need to be doing those same things. We need to be bringing the good news to people that we come in contact with. Right? We need to be participating in these things Jesus came to change lives he came to change the, the, the standard that people were living in he came to give them hope he came to free them from the things that were uh, oppressing them but he wasn't able to change all the lives that he came in contact with. In fact, we know there are times when some people would go away disappointed because what Jesus was asking was too much, and so they would go away. Jesus, for all the great things he did, he spent a very short amount of time on this earth. And so that's why, as he's getting ready to to ascend and go back to heaven, he calls the disciples together and said, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go into the world. You're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize them in my name. He commissions all his followers to go and do the same thing, to serve, to love, to sacrifice, to put others first. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And in some ways that has happened, right? In some ways, I mean, we look out and we see outbreaking of the kingdom. Anytime you see someone whose life is changed because of Jesus, you see the kingdom of God breaking in. But it doesn't always happen. That's why when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we are supposed to be bringing the will of God in heaven to earth. Now then, the reason we're supposed to pray that way is because it's not happening completely, right? It's not happened completely. So our part of our process is to pray that God use us, give us vision, open our eyes, give us the ability to make things on earth as they are in heaven. Chances are you know somebody when you look at their life, their life is nothing but living hell. Right? It might be you. Your life might be hell. Our job, our mission as the followers of Christ is to shine light into that darkness. To step into that with the good news of Jesus Christ. To show people that there is is a a, a better way. That's what cross-bearing is about. That's what walking after Jesus every single day is about. As recipients of the good news, we have a task. And it's not to hold on to it. Do you like We don't. We don't hold on to good news, do we? We tell good news. We want people to know about it. This is what we have to be doing. And so, our city connection this week is just simply this. If we are the people of God, it's about this. It's about God's people doing God things in God's cities. Does that make sense? Now, is this one of God's cities? Yes. Are we the people of God? Yes. Therefore, what should we do? Sit here and do nothing. (laughs) Right? We'll just meet on Wednesdays and Sundays. We won't tell anybody about it, and it'll be just fine. Right? We can do that. But if we do, I don't feel like we're answering what God has called us to. Okay, if we believe that God is the God of this city, then we have to make sure as God's people that we are doing God things in God's city. Does that make sense? That's bringing the good news to the poor. That's helping people come out of their blindness. That's helping people find release from oppression, from injustice. That's proclaiming the Lord's favor in their life. You see what I'm saying? This is what we are supposed to be doing. This is what it means to go into the town and share what we know with people who are hurting. Now then, there are a lot of people that already have this good news. Okay, And and, and Tommy, I think, agree. We talked about this the other day. I'm not interested in stealing church members from other churches right if you're with me in an agreement on that just say oh yeah or i got it or whatever really loud it's not that i don't love those people i do love them but i want them to do the same thing like loving other people in their churches i want us to go love non-church people does that make sense Like Betty talked to us about last week, about her three friends. that they're not quite ready for church. But there's something going on in their lives, and they see what's going on in Betty's life. And when they go to eat together, they always ask Betty to pray. Okay? That's God's person doing God things in God's city. Make sense? What was it called? Suds and Souls was that the name of it? I love that. I love that Suds and Souls. Okay, that is just a, a ministry that has just been laid on Barbara over the last few weeks. She feels like God's calling her to it. There are people that go to that laundromat that have a need, and and Barbara. Has just, you know, it started with her washing machine or something not working. And so she was going there temporarily. And then it was like, hey, God opened her eyes and showed her that there are needs there. And she made connections there. She made a city connection with the owners of the place who view that business as a ministry. And she said, hey, I want to help with this. And so the announcement a few minutes ago, you realize what that was? That was a city connection opportunity, okay? This is how we have to start thinking, okay? We have to pray that God open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts and see where we have opportunities to make connections in our city, to make a difference. That's the reason why we go outside the walls. That's the reason why we go to Providence. That's the reason why we go to Vashti. Why we don't just stay in our building because we want to make connections of Jesus within our city. That's why we do this. That's why, you know, this morning, we, we, we go to eat, have the men's breakfast, and we're, we're ordering, you know, and you go and you order, and you know you're expecting breakfast, and you walk up to the counter, and the first thing they say is, we don't have any coffee. Now, that's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> not, not here. But, uh, you go, you go, go to have breakfast somewhere, and they don't have any coffee. I mean, that's like a doozy. That's a big one. And, you know, the person behind the counter was not really pleasant. And so, you know, then there was no gravy, and you know, you just, you know, you know how it goes. You want to start complaining. And it's easy to complain, right? The easiest thing in the world to do is complain. And it would have been really easy for us to make complaints. And just as I was about to open my big mouth, Thank God the Holy Spirit went to work. And all of a sudden, God of this city started going off in my head. And so I just took a step back and I said, let me just, wait a minute, because I'm fixing to say something that's pretty rude. And so I just said, hey, look, we're fixing to pray in just a few minutes. Can we pray for you? And, you know, you could just see her just sort of become crestfallen. She says, well... We're fixing to go to a funeral at 1 o'clock, me and this other lady that was was working with us. And her, then her face just lit up because she knew that we would be praying and then she knew that we would be praying for them. Now, that that's not pat me on the back or anything like that. But what I, I tell you that because that is a simple thing. How many of you eat out once a week? At least. Like nine of you, that's it? I don't believe that. How many of you lie on a regular basis? Okay. All right. Now, (laughs) when you go to eat, if you've got a waiter or waitress, just ask them if you can pray for them. Okay? I I heard a story the other day of a guy who ended up doing uh, a couple's premarital counseling. And wedding and led them to Jesus, all because he just asked the waitress, Could we pray for you? And she was having a bad day. Okay? That's how you make city connections. So when you go to lunch today, or when you go to lunch this week, start thinking about that. And just say, Hey, we're fixing to pray. You got anything you want us to pray for? And sometimes people will say no. Sometimes they might get mad. I, you know, that doesn't happen as often. But what I have found anytime that I have done that is more often than not, everybody's got something they need to pray for. And most people will say, yes, please pray for whatever it might be. You know what I'm saying? And so what we want to do is we think about God of this city, okay? It cannot stay in this room. Does that make sense? If it stays in this room, then it flops. Okay? It has to go out from here. Because we are God's people. As God's people, we need to be doing God things like praying. Like sharing our faith. And I'm going to talk about that in a few weeks. About what sharing the gospel means. And part of what sharing the gospel means, and Doug brought this up last week part of sharing the gospel is sharing the good news in your life how jesus brought you out of something how he brought you out of oppression how he brought you out of blindness how he freed you from whatever it was that was going on just talking about what jesus has done for you okay it's serving people putting others first that's what it means to do god things And it's one thing to serve Christians, and that's good, and keep doing that. But I think maybe our main focus of service needs to be on people that don't know Jesus. Does that make sense? Because we're God's people doing God things in God's city. That's what it's about. Let's pray together.